Welcome to the Sloth Investor Podcast with your host, Mr. Sloth. The information on this podcast is provided for education and informational purposes only. The information contained in or provided from or through this podcast is not intended to be and does not constitute advice of any kind. Welcome everyone to episode 13 of the Sloth Investor Podcast, an investing podcast that explores why I believe the humble sloth is the best animal to characterize successful investing. Once again, I'm joined by my fellow sloth investor and co-host Jay. Jay, how are you? I'm doing absolutely fantastic. I have to say I started off to a, a bit of an emotional roller coaster morning, uh, morning today because my hockey team playing their first game of the season, the Edmonton Oilers, and they were up 2 nothing late in the third period, so near the end of the game, they gave up two late goals, but they won it in overtime. So, spoiler alert for any of those who are um, Edmonton Oilers hockey fans out there or Connect, Vancouver Connect hockey fans, uh, the Oilers will win that game. I like it. I like it. Fantastic, Jay. Fantastic. Shirt number 11, of course. Brilliant. <laughs> I'm glad your team did well. Okay, so before we kick things off with the theme of today's episode... I wanted to send a shout out to all of our listeners around the world as the podcast continues to attract a receptive audience around the globe. Most recently, we've attracted new listeners from the following countries, Estonia, Madagascar, Malta, Indonesia, Costa Rica, Namibia, Serbia, Peru, Croatia, and the Czech Republic. In total, we've had listeners from 55 countries spanning six continents. Jay? Do you have a message or any words right now for listeners of the podcast? I would say just to continue, and, and I'm, I'm, this is awesome. I'm so impressed and so humbled that we would have so many listeners spread from around the world. But I would say continue to spread the word because what we're trying to do here is help people avoid the same pitfalls that we've avoided. And what, what's the saying? Pay it forward. So yeah. some people have helped me along the way. And I'm hoping that we can, by doing this podcast, we can do the same thing, pay it forward and help people, other people along the way. Mm. Fantastic. Thanks, Jay. I utterly agree with you completely. Yeah, for sure. So Jay, let me begin by explaining the inspiration for today's podcast episode theme. In today's episode, we're taking a slight diversion to perhaps our normal line of discussion by considering how we as consumers can best spend our money. And I'm particularly passionate about this episode because I think it's really important that people of all ages get to understand more about decisions we take, but particularly younger people, okay? This is something that could be a really important element of a financial literacy program. Okay, so the inspiration for this episode stems from a few things in particular. Firstly, in a recent episode, Jay, you mentioned how you like to spend your disposable income, that is the money you have left over after investing. And we'll discuss this a little further later on. Secondly, I've recently been reading a great book by Elizabeth Dunn and Michael Norton, and it's entitled Happy Money, The Science of Happier Spending. Fundamentally, therefore, the key aim of today's episode is to explore what the research says on how we can make better spending decisions. Okay, so for those that aren't familiar with what you mentioned in a previous episode about how you allocate some of your disposable income, would you perhaps be able to take a bit of time to give us a refresher, Jay? Yeah, I think probably my perspective on my um, how I use my money to um, bring happiness for me is, has changed as I've become a dad. And mm. I really like to spend my money on experiences versus 
I'm buying things. This means I'm, I'm trying to build a shared experience with my kids and with my friends now as I get older. Mm. Um, and my family, my extended family, my mother, of course. And I want to make sure that we have a shared experience together, traveling. And a lot of that in the pre-pandemic world and hopefully in the, we'll continue in the post-pandemic world is just what can we do to, where can we travel together as a family? And this is how we'll spend our money. And this is, um, I think, brought us as a family a lot closer together when we when we focus our, our spending on um, experiences versus things. Mm, absolutely. That's great, Jay. And, you know, what you've mentioned there connects well with what the research says about what we can do to enhance the satisfaction that we have with our lives. So quite simply, people that spend more of their money on leisure report significantly greater satisfaction with their lives. Yeah. Now, in your research, if, if I understand correctly, you, you've you've you found that a key reason for this is the social connection that it brings from mm. the experiences. And I would have to say that I agree with that personally on a personal level, that's my, my, own, my own personal experience. Can you maybe expand upon that a little bit? Yeah, thanks, Jay. So, you know, I've undertaken quite a bit of research for this episode, and it was really fascinating to dig a little, to dig a little deeper into spending money on experiences versus things, okay? So I read a great research article from the Journal of Positive Psychology from November 2009, and it had a rather lengthy title, okay? The title is The Mediators of Experiential Purchases, Determining the Impact of Psychological Need Satisfaction and Social Comparison. Wow, that's a, that's a, that's a mouthful of a title there. Oh my gosh, Jake. <laughs> Try saying that five times in 20 seconds. I defy anyone to. That was, uh, yeah, quite a lengthy title there. Okay, but please don't be put off by that lengthy title, listeners, as the key finding from that research article is that experiences provide more happiness than material goods in part because experiences are more likely to make us feel connected to other people. The authors of the article are Ryan Howell and Graham Hill. Jay, when you reflect on how you allocate some of your disposable income, is this something that resonates with you? this opportunity that you have to form stronger social connections to others. Yeah, absolutely. I would, first thing that comes to my mind is that um, some of my disposable income goes to playing sport and I find that sport's a great way for me to connect with my friends. Uh, I'm not someone who's a drinker and I'm not someone um, who is brought closer to others by um, sharing that sort of the Oktoberfest kind of drinking experience, but um, I find that I, grade a, I, I keep a connection with my friends by playing sport with them. And so I, I allocate some of my disposable money towards sport. As a dad, um, I also like to do some, uh, in a, especially, especially in a pandemic world, uh, my daughter and I, we have daddy-daughter date night once oh, a month. Cute. We go out for a restaurant to her choosing. It's just the two of us. Um, and it's, it's, we're not foodies, but it's just about that experience together that she looks forward to. Um, and hopefully as we grow older, she'll look back fondly on those those times and I you I know you've seen pictures of my son and I would like to go for reflexology sure so <laughs> on yeah. Friday on Friday after the typhoon I just stood up in the house like that's it I need to get out I'm gonna go for reflexology Jacob are you in he's like yep and I'm like we're out and we just said goodbye to my wife and my daughter and we went out and uh, had a nice calm reflexology session I love it I love it and like you know I don't have a crystal ball. Sloths don't have crystal balls, but I'm just already anticipating, you know, years into future, you know, when your son is looking back over his teenage years, I'm sure that'll be an experience that he looks back on. Okay. That day when, you know, a terrible typhoon, people were stuck inside, but his dad jumped up and said, you know what, let's get out. Let's go out. Reflexology. I can see that's something that he would probably pinpoint as a key experience, a key, 
you know, happy moment in his life. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so Jay, I would like to share some interesting information now from the book that I mentioned earlier. And the book, of course, is Happy Money, The Science of Happier Spending. In the book, the authors cite the work of Travis Carter and Tom Gilovich, two US-based researchers. So Carter and Gilovich asked college undergraduates to write a summary of their life story. And they discovered that these students were more likely to mention experiential purchases rather than material goods. Okay, so the name of the study is I am what I do, not what I have. Okay, which kind of gives us the inspiration for today's podcast episode title. Okay, and the study was published in the journey of pers- the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology in February 2012. So let me now read the final two sentences from that piece of research as I think they're pretty powerful. Begin quote. Our memories are what make us who we are. If we make purchases that contribute to our sense of self, that is, if we pursue experiences over material goods, there are likely to be more memories, more of us to cherish and embrace, end quote. Okay, so it would appear that experience-based purchases provide us with a real, authentic insight into someone's true self, their essential identity, Jay. So what are your thoughts about this? I would have to say that, Again, I had none, no idea about this research until you, uh, you sort of pointed this out and pinpointed it and, and grabbed some of the, the, the key elements of the research. But I, 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 like, I think back immediately to every year I do an annual video. So the question you see all the time, people filming on their phones and they're, they're taking pictures with their camera. And the question becomes, what do you do with that at the end of every year? Um, and I've decided that every August I sit down and I do an, an annual video of our family, a 20-minute montage of what our family has done. And overwhelmingly, 99% of the, the video content is experiences, um, whether we be traveling or we're out water skiing or we've gone for a hike. Um, those, are, those are all family experiences that we've shared together. And I don't remember any particular purchases. We don't highlight things like we bought a new car or we, we've um, bought a new computer those aren't the kind of things that we highlight in the video. It's all about our family experiences that, that get highlighted. And I think back to about how it sort of reflects me and my values. Um, those videos are probably a pretty good indication of what I value in terms of family time and, and our extended family. And they're part, an important part of our life. And I think about the outdoor experiences we do. We're, we're doing scuba diving. We're doing hiking. We're doing skiing, um, mountain biking. Those are all things that sort of are captured in our annual video. And, and my kids look back at it and they can see it ever since they were young kids, um, since they were born from all the way through to now. And even before they were born, they look back at the videos and there's a lot of oohs and ahs and, and oh, remember that? That was great. That was fantastic. And it's just a great way for us to um, bring back our memory to some of the cool experiences we've had. I love that. I love that. I love how that, that video journal really ties into that sense of identity, that family identity, and all of those great outdoor experiences you mentioned. And think about to my own, uh, my own family as well. You know, sadly, my father passed away earlier this year back in June, but I'm thinking back about memorable experiences that I had of him. And I think back to, I believe it was 2003 at Twickenham Rugby Stadium. I was watching the Rolling Stones for me. It was our first time to go. I've seen the Rolling Stones, both big fans. 
And I first got into Stones because my dad would play a TV show um, frequently when I was a kid. It was called Tour of Duty. It was a, a show set in, you know, set in Vietnam, you know, about the Vietnam War. I remember and, that. Yeah, I remember that show. The opening title was painted back, of course, by the Rolling Stones. Yeah. And I'm thinking back to that concert and I'm thinking back to when Keith Richards played the opening chords to Paint It Black and my dad and I looked to each other. We had a moment and I'm thinking oh, that was the first song that got me hooked into Rolling Stone. So when I think about my dad and our times together, it's those experiences going to concerts together in particular that really resonate with me and ties into his identity, into my identity, both big fans of Stone. So um, what a fantastic memory. Yeah. What yeah. a fantastic memory. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So during my research for this episode, I also stumbled upon some fascinating insights from a gentleman named Laszlo Bock, who was formerly the senior vice president of people operations at Google. In an online interview of the Society for Human Resource Management, he states this, begin quote, in the end, employees will end up happier if you give them an experience, something personal and non-financial. But it only works if you know what makes your people tick, end quote. So, this move from monetary awards to life experiences is certainly pretty fascinating, okay? Can I actually uh, yeah. chime in with something yeah. that I just noticed? I, uh, when, when I read that quote, something just clicks in my mind. Um, on, on Facebook, I, some of my friends, they, they own a, a veterinary clinic, and they brought their team out for a day on the junk boat. Oh. And the pictures looked fantastic. Everyone's jumping off the boat. They're playing on the, all the water, um, sort of the water toys and... And it looked like they were having an amazing time. And to me, that's exactly speaks to exactly what you're talking about here. Create an experience for your, your staff that gives them a common sort of a common bond. I love that. Again, that's that sense of social connection, forming connections of others through these experiences. And um, it's fascinating that Google has, has taken our route. And I guess a, an additional line of research would be to kind of explore the extent to which other contemporary organizations have um, adopted that path as well. So yeah, really, really fascinating. Investing your staff almost, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, um, you know, before we finish with some reviews of our podcast from Apple Podcasts, I wanted to round off this discussion about spending money and experiences by sharing a few more insights from Happy Money the science of happier spending, okay? So the authors state that across a wide range of experiences, you're more likely to get the biggest bang for your buck if, number one, the experience brings you together with other people fostering a sense of social connection. Two, the experience makes a memorable story that you'll enjoy retelling for years to come. And three, the experience is tightly linked to your sense of who you are or who you want to be. Okay. And when I read this section of that book, I couldn't help but think about James Bond. Okay, So there's a new Bond movie that's just been released in cinemas worldwide, and it's titled No Time to Die. I recently saw it here in Hong Kong a few days ago. I no really spoilers, because I'm going to see it tomorrow. No spoilers. No spoilers. But um, Jay, I hope you really enjoyed the movie. I'm a big Bond fan myself. I love James Bond. Um, you, know, and, you know, if we were to picture Bond in retirement, and let's say we were to ask him to write about his life, Mm, I can't help but think that he would be more inclined to write about his life experiences as opposed to his possessions. And that's even taking into account the fancy gadgets that we associate with him, perhaps, you know, the, the nice jewelry that he's accumulated over his years. So fascinating. So, you know, Jake, what are your thoughts about this? Well, 
In some ways, I do struggle with it because I know Andrew Hellams, um, he warns of the dangers of, of buying things that yeah. will um, quickly erode your and uh, your investment strategy, mm. um, eat away on it. And I'd, I want to be really careful. Here. I don't want to give the illusion that I don't spend money on things. Yeah. For me, uh, so some of the big things for me, I, 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 I want to love where I live. Sure. And that brings me a lot of happiness. That So I spend more money um, on renting a flat, which I think is going to give me peace of mind when I get home from work. When mm. I come, I want to love where I live. I want to be able to have a nice, spacious area where I can sit down on a couch. Um, and I also like my tech. Mm. I spend money on my tech. I enjoy high-quality TVs. Uh, and to make my videos, I enjoy a high quality video recording yeah. to do editing and to record to edit that video requires a more powerful computer. Yeah. So I, I do spend money on things, yeah. but I would say the bulk of my, uh, the bulk of my disposable income does go towards experiences. Sure. Yeah. But it, it doesn't, it doesn't mean you have to say I'm not buying any things because that does bring me some happiness as well. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think the key thing here is nuance because you know, I love what you stated earlier about, how you spend time with your family, the video journals, and how much enjoyment and happiness that brings as well. But yeah, fundamentally, you know, things, you know, in terms of, you know, maybe technology, in terms of the fact that you mentioned laptop and video editing software, they're important too. So I think it's just that kind of, uh, that degree of nuance we need in a discussion like this. So it's fantastic, Joe, it's fantastic. So, you know, the Sloth Investor Podcast has been attracting listeners around the world, like we mentioned at the top of the episode. And we've also been garnering more reviews on Apple Podcasts. So, Jay, I like to take the time. It's the first time we've done this, but take the time to share several of these reviews, okay? And these reviews happen to be from the US iTunes site. So, let's perhaps share one each, okay? So, um, Jay, would you be able to go first? Yeah, I want to. I want to share one from Invest for Decades, um, and it was made on August 9th, twenty twenty one. And I'm going to put my glasses on for this. Sloth is doing a great service by spreading financial literacy. I think very highly of the five bedrock principles that make a sloth investor as they are principles that I too share on my investment journey. Mm, I like that. I like oh, that. What a great review. Yeah. What a great review. And of course, you got five stars out of five stars. Oh, thank you, Investor Decade. I appreciate that. Okay, and here's another one. It's from Neil Wilkes, a gentleman named Neil Wilkes from August 17, 2021. And he states... Mr. Sloth is definitely onto something with his five bedrock principles. Took a while to get used to his British accent, <laughs> but he's certainly a well-informed investor. Okay, so it's great to receive his positive feedback on a podcast, and I'm glad that Neil has become accustomed to my British accent. Okay, so Jay, before we wrap things up, I just wanted to call Lissa's attention to something that I actually just read this morning here in Hong Kong. It's an article from CNBC, and it's the Education Secretary in the US, Miguel Cardona. And he's stating that personal finance lessons should start as early as possible. And um, it's kind of hot off the press. I just read it this morning. So I'll just read a little bit from what Mr. Cardona has stated here in his interview of CNBC's Sharon Epson. So he states, when I talk to students now, they talk about the need for financial literacy learning in a practical sense, how to look at that and how to plan for a financially secure future. He goes on to state, what we're doing is looking for state level policies that do promote financial literacy and earlier age and lifting those up. And uh, within the article, it's interesting to read that currently a personal finance education course is a high school requirement in 21 states across the US. 
according to data from NextGen Personal Finance. In 24 states, high schools must offer personal finance education, but it's not a requirement for students to take it. So, um, yeah, interesting stuff there. And I really hope that not just in the U.S., but around the world, personal finance lessons become so much more embedded within both early years education, elementary and high school education. I feel so, so ripped off that I never got I never uh, got that in in, in in grade school, high school. I never got that. Mm. And one if I could give as a parent one tip to to you and your own or for you and your children perhaps, I give my student or my children, my own children, um, for their birthday as a birthday gift. Again, I always tell my children, we don't buy you things. Um, we'll we'll we, in Hong Kong culture, it's called Lycee. We give you Lycee and we let you choose what you want to spend your money on. But I also do buy them a, a stock. Mm. So I give them faux stock certificates. And um, what's great about that is that my um, my son has taken very um, very much to it. And he tracks the stock in his, fo- his phone um, on, a, on a finance app. And he'll, he'll read articles about them. But he has about three or four different stocks in his portfolio. And... There, it's not by a large sum by any means, but what he's doing, he's able to, to see how it goes up, it goes down. And so I remember when we first got them, he had a, an ETF and he's like, oh, dad, I've lost money on it. Should I sell? I'm like, no, no, no. These are the kind of things you hold on to yeah. for not 10 years, but more 20 and 30 years. And you'll look back on it and you'll be really happy. And right now he's, he's actually been able to see that, you know, although he may have gotten it, you know, 18 months ago, he's up 30%. Love that. And he's, to me, this is a, this was a great valuable lesson for him. So as a dad, my advice to any parents who are out there listening, consider something like that. I love that, Jay, spot on. I love that advice. You know, don't look at the day chart, look at the decade chart. You know, I absolutely love that. And, um, you know, I'm thinking back to snow, you know, and snow isn't something we commonly talk about in Hong Kong. We last had snow in 1975 here in Hong Kong. But when you're talking about investing and compound interest, it's about the snowball. Okay, we think about the official authorized biography of Warren Buffett. What's it called? I believe it's called the snowball, isn't it? Okay, so let that compounding effect take place decade after decade after decade. It's just like a snowball. Okay, and I know that your son, having started at such a young age now and benefited from your insight and wisdom, is going to reap the rewards of that year upon year after year, that snowball effect. Okay, and that's fantastic. So, yeah, just to reiterate what Jay say. Talk to your kids about personal finance. Talk to them about those fundamental lessons, compound interest. And um, yeah, I think for now that wraps things up. Hey, Jay, perhaps, you know, a future podcast episode, we could talk a little bit about what you can do in terms of educating your children about investing, okay? You know, using analogies, making things crystal clear. Perhaps that could be a future podcast episode. Who knows? That'd be a great one. A lot of prospective parents out there, um, I think, would really benefit from that yeah absolutely absolutely so you know i think that really wraps things up for podcast 13 to do or to have okay that is the question okay step aside shakespeare to be or not to be you know we love what you have to say to william shakespeare but to do or to have that is the question for episode 13 of the sloth investor podcast one, one tip for for nelly the one reviewer um one thing I had to learn when I come to Hong Kong, the British accent, but also British terminology. And just for future reference, a fortnight actually means two weeks. <laughs> indeed. I like it. Indeed, Jay. Indeed. <laughs> All right, everybody. That's it for our episode today. Have a great one. Be safe. And we will talk to you guys all very soon. So long, guys. Bye for now. For more tips, follow the Sloth Investor on Twitter at Sloth underscore Investor.